0: Hello there and welcome to Encounter Ground with myself Zanele bawinile I am super excited to have you back here for yet another episode. And so today what we are going to talk about, um, it's still just to continue the subject on identity. And like I've said before, it's quite a huge topic to want to tackle. But I can only throw in my two million cents um, just to... Shed some light on whatever it is that I have come to understand with regards to that specific area. So, getting right into it, I am going to pick up from the last time. And at this point, I'm just going to be sharing one other part of my life. Um, The fact that in the year 2018 was the first time when I was actually enlightened um, to my identity rather let me just say it was the first time when i was enlightened about the role that god had been playing in my life he had always been god always serving god and it's always amazing you know seeking god and doing all of those things but it took a particular season in my life for me to get to a point where i actually encountered or had that light I, I think enlightening is a better term to say it, to say that it was at that time when my eyes were actually open to say, look, God has been my father he has been a good fa- he, like he has been a present father to me and it's not that when I prayed I had never called him father I had <laughs> um and it had been amazing you know like just knowing it theoretically the fact that he's my father he provides for me he cares for me he loves me but at that time when God chose to unveil the eyes of my heart it it became a better thing it became better so um just speaking into that um that that was amazing and you would think at that point I got a whole grasp about my sonship or daughtership for those of you who may be offended if I call myself a son um in the kingdom of God but at that point you would think I got a huge grasp you know of the fact that look I am a child of God and it would have worked so much into my life (laughs) Um, but that wasn't really the case what really happened was the fact that I was pretty satisfied to say yo it took me 18 years of my life to get to the to get to this point to actually realize that god you have been my father so now let me just unpack how that whole experience or that encounter was if I can recount everything about it so growing up with a single parent and um she my mom has been the best you know um and I'm not saying this to buy faith but like she's been the best and I've never gotten to a point where I felt I needed another parent in my life or where I felt like why do other kids have their fathers and I don't or like I've never been at that point and so at this point when I just got to university um just me thinking about it now like actually i have never been at that point where i am jealous or envious of other people i have always been content you know having one parent and she like she's been everything to me like i wouldn't i wouldn't want anything more than that and was at that time when i was even you know going through a revival in my relationship with god and actually learning to hear the voice of god to obey god and all of that and it was at this point where the lord also says it's said that it's because i have been your father in your life and I actually saw how true that was, and just unpacking and like going through how that contentment doesn't doesn't just come, um, but it's because God had been playing that role so faithfully. Fine, I didn't have you know a physical tengi- tangible a physical tangible relationship with God, so to say. Oh, Daddy, I'm back from school, or you know like how other people's encounters may have been. But he's been there as a father, satisfying that domain or that void in my life for a father. So that was really amazing. um But yeah, I just got up from the encounter. And like I, I was stuck on the encounter, so to say, like, wow, this is so amazing. Like God has been my father. This is so great. And I prayed about it and I was just so excited. But it didn't necessarily lead me, you know, to like the word, searching out verses about that, you know, um, identity, the yeah, actually the sonship paradigm and all of those things. Perhaps I just didn't have the capacity in myself, you know, to handle that. You know, if you're still a babe, you would still need to be fed milk, as the Bible says. Maybe at that point, such wonderful revelations were good for me to build up my faith so that then I can see God and my intimacy and my intimacy with God also grows you know and I'm also growing in my reception of the word and also all of those things and I'm saying all of these in retrospect and so now um fast forward to yeah a certain other experience now then in my life that particular year was a year when the Lord gave me a word for that year he said this year is the year when um, we are going to go through an identity exploration slash um, revelation. You know, you're going to learn your identity. And the one thing that made that word very weird for me was the fact that one, I didn't receive it on the first day of the year, of which was my usual um, with the Lord. And huh the other thing was at this point i'm like you know discovering all these beautiful things about destiny and um the lord's calling upon my life and it's all about that and i thought it was all centered around that i thought that the the following year would be to do with me ministering and my identity as a minister and the lord teaching me how to minister specifically in this calling Um, that he has for me how to walk out in it and everything but it turned out to be the year where COVID struck um, amazingly and the one way the most amazing way that the Lord really taught me took me through this whole identity classroom was teaching me about his love for me and not only teaching me theoretically but the love of God was everything whatever that I spoke like if I saw the love of God "She let me just say I experienced the love of God um through the scripture through whatever experiences that I had during that time literally everything just centered around that and that was the, the and and to this day that is the foundation of my identity in God the fact that he loves me for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal so the fact that God loves me and I have received his love gives me an identity with him. Okay, fine. Um that being the one, then that was also really amazing and you would think I stayed on that encounter and every time I meditate on it, but you know life sometimes just gets to the point where it's like, oh, there's one encounter, what's the next one? There's another one, what's the next one? You know um but god is just so gracious you know like building up all of these things that he allowed me to know um enlightening the uh, the eyes of my understanding and all of those many other things but now i just want to speak about this this is something that has really been on my heart maybe for some time now a few months <laughs> um a lot of months rather um just speaking about the sonship paradigm and the day when i actually learned this word paradigm was in prayer um and it just came you know friendship paradigm paradigm shift and so now i have to even search what is a paradigm what do you mean lord um and it was just so amazing even um getting to learn about that and so now just having that word that god is really wanting to shift us into that is wanting for us to operate rather let me just say wanting for me to operate you know from the sonship paradigm it's a whole paradigm shift and the one other thing he said was that paradigms are not forged they are received and so sonship paradigm and all of that and it was just a whole lesson about how you know god is entrusting his business to his sons and it's not just about being a servant and all of that of course he's going to reward our faithfulness as servants but we are son servants you know we are servants who are part of the family and these are the kind of people that he's wanting to entrust with um his business and he thinks you know even in the book of romans chapter number eight the bible speaks about our identity the bible speaks about our inheritance that we have received first starts by saying um, from romans chapter 8 verse 1 now there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus right and then it says for the for the um spirit no, for the law of the spirit of life has set, set us free, set them free from the law of the from, from, this, from the power of the law of sin and death. Right. And then continues to speak about what God did in Jesus and who's Jesus? Jesus is the son of God. What God did in Jesus is what we could not do in um is what the flesh could not accomplish no is what the law could not accomplish why because of the weakness of the flesh great and but remember it's jesus it's what god did through jesus who is the son of god right so it begins there who is the son of god he himself was able to do that that which the law could not accomplish jesus himself did it and there now continues to say, um, those who no one who lives according to the flesh can please God, right? But only those who live according to the Spirit. So nothing of the flesh can please God. Nothing of the fallen nature can please God. But only that which is spiritual in nature. Continue the thought to say that Jesus, the Son of God, fulfilled. God in Jesus Christ his son fulfilled that which the law could not accomplish in us because of the weakness of the flesh and then now continues to say those who live according to the spirit are pleasing to God for those whose minds are governed by the spirit are life and peace and then um it's then now where we continue to talk about for those who are led by the spirit for as many as are led by the spirit of god they are sons of god this is not just the suddenly out of nowhere this is a continuation of what Paul has been preaching or teaching about in the previous verses, right? He's been alluding to this to say that those who walk according to the Spirit, those who are in the Spirit, which is those who believe in Jesus, the Son of God, those who have come into, like those who have become brothers and sisters with Him, right? Because Jesus became the first fruit or the firstborn among many other brothers and sisters. So now, those, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're are the sons of God and then he continues to say that for the spirit that we have received is not a spirit that makes us slaves again that makes us afraid again but this is the spirit of sonship of adoption into sonship and then he speaks about the inheritance to say that therefore we are heirs and if we are heirs we are co-heirs with Christ if we share in his sufferings as well so this speaks about our inheritance anyway before before i even just go on um, rambling about my own opinion so as many as have received the spirit they are the sons of god um the spirit that we have received does not make us slaves again does not make us afraid does not make us afraid and just to speak a bit more on that part of slaves and fear and just the association between that i've read that knew it but just this light from the scripture to say that why is it that as a slave I would be afraid? I would be made afraid again if it was that spirit of slavery. So with a slave, the one thing is I'm not permanent in the family. I don't say I, I belong there. Yes, but because of what I do, it's because of what I bring to the table and I'm disposable the same way that I have been bought I can still be sold so hence as a slave one would be afraid in the kind of context where we are talking about it right as a slave one would be afraid to say look I am dispensable (laughs) I am disposable at any time I may no longer have a place in this particular institution or in this particular home but then Paul then says no we are no longer slaves we have not received the spirit that makes us to be afraid we we belong we know that we belong because we have received a spirit of adoption into sonship which actually speaks about legal right and belonging permanence there's a permanence um, connotation to that adoption so when we think about it in the Roman um, law or that whole context adoption meant that like it's not just a matter of we've taken you and we've just put you there and at any given point in time we can revoke anything that we've given you No, it speaks to the fact that the same i mean firstly you carry the name of the your parents who have adopted you secondly the same honor that they have they bestow it upon you which is the same thing that god has done and you have been given permanence permanent um belonging in that family. That's the spirit that we have received. And then um then he speaks about the inheritance. Now then we are heirs. But if we are heirs together with Christ, when we share in his sufferings, and then he then continues to say, it's not only in the sufferings, because the sufferings are nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed to us as the sons of God. And he says that all of nature is groaning for the revelation of the glory of God in in his sons. So this then speaks to the fact, what I said before, to say that God is looking to entrust his good works to his sons to his children i'm not speaking sons just males but he's looking to entrust his business to his children so yes well done good and faithful servant but this is a son servant it's not a servant uh, it's a son servant so first our position being the sons of god being considered worthy carriers worthy vessels worthy pedestals worthy platforms to reveal his glory to carry out the honor of his name and I'm just reminded you know of the Lord's prayer where we pray hallowed be your name bring honor to your name and this is the same father in heaven who dwells high up in heaven who chooses to partner with his sons to bring to showcase to show forth the glory of his name wonderful and so yeah that's just one of the things that I think I've been thinking about that have been going on in my heart right God is wanting us to operate from a sonship paradigm and these are not just forged these are received so receiving that revelation (laughs) um because then he um Paul also says in the same book of Romans chapter 8 the fact that this is the hope to which we have been called, you know the hope that we will be adopted as sons, that we will be redeemed, because he says not only does creation groan, but even we groan. Even we are groaning for the revelation of the glory of God, the redemption of our own bodies. So, um, this hope that we have been called to, so perceiving the sonship paradigm and walking out life from that, there's so much more freedom when the lord himself reveals himself as our father and reveals to us the fact that we are his children not only is he god the father of our lord jesus christ because jesus then says go and tell him that i'm going to ascend to my father and your father when he's sending um one of his disciples to go and tell the rest of them right so so that's the one part but the other thing that i've really been thinking about and I've spoken to um, someone about it because it was really just brewing in my heart um, at that time. And the way at that point, the relevant person, you know, to speak, to speak about this particular matter. Was the whole um, being certified, the whole point of being certified as a son of God. What, like, what does it mean to be a child of God? What are the implications of that? And during that whole period that... Um, that, that whole period yes in my life th- the scripture the word came to life because also even the events in my life were also aligning to hey <laughs> it was going on and it was just such an opportune time for that whole revelation in my heart so here is what we're gonna talk about the sonship paradigm you know um just speaking about looking at Jesus Jesus, was born um he grew up and at this particular kairos where now he is being baptized and at this moment when he's being baptized right all righteousness had to be fulfilled as he said to john now as he's being baptized the father like the whole trinity is involved in this whole kairos event what i remember the bible says that there is a time for everything and a season for every activity. So now it was that season for Jesus to carry out the works that were prepared for him ahead of time. So now in this particular Kairos event in the season where this had to happen, is that the whole of like we see just that unity of the Trinity, the son fulfilling the assignment, he's being baptized, fulfilling all righteousness. Um, The Holy Spirit descending upon him as a dove and staying on him. And we hear the father speaking. The father is speaking and he says that this is my son with who my son, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the amazing thing is, okay, and yes, the, the, the Father speaks and the Holy Spirit descends upon him as a dove. And now John says, this is the one I have been speaking about, right? And the, the, the gospel accounts then tell us that he was then led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Who is this who went into the wilderness? Who was sent by the Spirit? It's not, the Bible doesn't necessarily say that, when when a voice spoke from heaven the voice said this is the king of the jews or this is the messiah the voice spoke and said this is my beloved son (laughs) with whom i am well pleased and this is the very same son that was sent led into the wilderness by the spirit follow on this trail of thought who was led by the spirit into the wilderness it is the son of god now when he's in the wilderness he's then tempted like he's led there by the spirit he's led there by the father <laughs> he's led there and while he's there now he's tempted he's oh no rather tested by the enemy when he comes and he says if you are the son of god sir turn these stones into bread at this point the bible also clearly says that this very son of god whom god loves in whom god is well pleased was hungry because he had been fasting 40 days 40 nights he's hungry now the devil comes and he says if you are the son of god turn these stones into bread and the son of god remember we're talking about living from the sonship paradigm and the son of God responds through the word of God and he says it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God like this is the son of God I mean we can say so many sermons from that speak about how we shall not live by bread alone we shall right? And you know how Jesus used the word and reconquer by it is written. We can go all about that. But I just want us to be stuck on the fact that this is the son of God, beloved son of God, in whom God is well pleased who is speaking this word he says man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God and he's speaking as a son of God at this point he's not speaking from the office of a king or of the messiah he's speaking as a son of God because God announced him as the son of God and even led him into the wilderness as the son of God and I want you to hear me well I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying right yes Jesus was fully the son of God fully the king fully the messiah fully everything fully the word but at this point I'm just bringing this point to say continue from the point where the father announces Jesus as the son and he leads him straight into the wilderness and we're continuing to say this is the very same son whom God loves and he's well pleased with so the scripture that Jesus, the Son of God, is quoting at this point. is from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8. And in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, we have an account of Moses recounting the law of God. He's repeating it again. That's what Deuteronomy is all about, right? As they are preparing to enter into the promised land. The final preparation. Wow. The final preparation. Now, when Moses speaks, he reminds them. He speaks and he says that... Um, Remember, it is the same God who led you through the wilderness and who who led you to go hungry in order to test you. What? Sometimes, this is just a side note, sometimes we've gotten to the point where there's this God that we've made up in our minds will never allow X, (laughs) Y, Z. But Moses then says, this is the same God who led you to go hungry in order to humble you and to test you and to find out that that which was in your heart, whether or not you would obey his will. And also to teach you that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And he doesn't end there. Moses then speaks again about this whole sonship paradigm. He says that for even as a father disciplines his own son, so the Lord has done unto you. This is me paraphrasing it. So this whole testing, humbling and teaching, this whole discipline also has to do with the fact that the children of Israel, God considered them as his own children, his own people. And now Jesus, the son of God, is in the wilderness faced with this um test from the enemy to say if you are the son of God then relieve yourself turn these stones into bread and Jesus then goes back to that same scripture where Moses said that it was God who allowed you who let you to go hungry to test you to humble you to show you what was in your heart and also to teach you that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God so There's just that, this, this, this parallel of the sonship paradigm to say that just because I'm a child of God does not mean I am exempt from times of testing, does not mean that I am exempt from going hungry, from being humbled by God, from being humbled, from being disciplined. Yes. So this is now I'm remembering the conversation that I was with, that I had with this particular person to say, what what was happening there moses even speaks about it to say that as a father disciplines his son and that word to discipline the son i mean when we think about discipline we think about the punitive form of the discipline right but there's also the other meaning to the word discipline you know the same way when we say that i am disciplined you know um so to say that i am Determined in my will to continue doing a certain thing a specific way. That that's the same thing, right? About discipline. Discipline, having a discipline in going to gym, a discipline in my eating habits, a discipline all. So having that willfulness and like that controlled whatever. I don't know how to put it well in English, but that's what I'm trying to say to say even the same way that the different subjects. That we do at school, right? I am in medicine, so I'm in the health sciences discipline, and then other people are in the accounting discipline. So, what is it that Moses was saying that God was disciplining His children, was disciplining the 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 people of Israel as a father disciplines his son? So the same way. So how does a father discipline his son? You know, I'm not a parent, but I've seen or I've observed or I know enough to say. Even parents, when we discipline our children, there's there's a specific area where this is going to come to light. For example, when we're doing potty training, we are disciplining our children to know like to know how to respond when their bladder is full or when like, you know, just that whole um, hygiene etiquette. We are disciplining them in that regard. We're not necessarily punishing them, you know, to say you did this wrong. So I'm hitting you. Jesus did no wrong. Yet the Father saw it fit to send him to the wilderness, right? Um, and this is a parallel of what happened, of what Moses was recounting in the, in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8, to say that God led you to go hungry. The Father saw it fit to let Jesus, the Son of God, go hungry though he was perfect he was spotless he had never sinned he had no sin in him the bible also says that he was he was tested in every way that we are yet he never sinned so simply because he is the son of god he went through even those testing He had to go hungry. He had to be humble. He had to be disciplined. Such that he comes to this point of saying. I shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He was disciplined to stick to. To depend upon and to live only by the word of God. And so if Jesus perfect as he is as a son of God did not despise the discipline of his father and he went through it what more of us who are heirs co-heirs with Christ (laughs) in fact if we share in his sufferings so Zanele what are you saying what is it that you're bringing here what I'm saying is it's wonderful. This is our inheritance. We have been adopted into sonship. We have received the spirit who certifies us, who witnesses with our spirits that we are indeed the children of God. And so what I'm saying is, as I've been enlightened to say that, yes, as a son of God, the Bible even says that, sorry for derailing, but the Bible also says in the book of Proverbs, even in the book of Deuteronomy, even in the book of Hebrews, the fact that the God disciplines the one whom he loves. So, teaches us his ways, corrects us, rebukes us. Um, that's the way of sonship. As sons, as children of God, <laughs> we fit that category whereby, yes, we may have to be subjected to having to having to um be humbled right having to be humble even be tested to show what what is it that is really in our hearts actually david prays this prayer and he says that lord search my heart and know me test me (laughs) test me and know the worries of my heart and lead me in your way of righteousness and this is the way of sonship um if really we are to co-air co-labor with christ and carry out do those great exploits know our god and do great exploits firstly it comes to knowing god as our father a good father who will not withhold discipline and I just want to say this whole word yes discipline so to say he's gonna rebuke us he's gonna correct us he's gonna instruct us as well he's gonna nourish us as a father he's gonna show us what is right he's gonna teach us the actual etiquette that we need as sons of God you know that royal priesthood because now he's made us king priest unto God God is gonna discipline us in that way why it's not because he hates us why it's not it's not just because yes whatever it is that we are carrying, whatever it is that we have to do it is great it is wonderful that's why sometimes we have to wait so long and you know we have to go through all the processes because we are like gold but the key thing is to say that it's because we are his sons and daughters so he delights in teaching us his ways disciplining us in his ways you know giving us like releasing a word from his mouth so that we can live by it that's the bigger picture yes the works that we are yet to do are great yes he wants us you know to to be purified to be like gold right But why? Why would he want to do that? Why would he invest in wanting to purify the gold ore and do all of those things? It's simply because we are his sons and daughters. For we have received the spirit of adoption into sonship. And the Bible then tells us the fact that we have received the Holy Spirit as an engagement ring. As the first fruit. As the first deposit of our full inheritance so there is so much more right we are yet like there's a groaning internal groaning inside of us for this revelation of the full glory of God in his children in his sons and daughters we have not seen the fullness of it yet but the point that I'm trying to say is to say that mm, perhaps it's time you know um, to go back to the basics you know god loved us as sons and daughters not only as not not only as servants right but as sons and daughters and i mean if you know how to be a son or a daughter to your parents and how you can almost do anything you're comfortable to ask um obviously you grow into such things and you are like maybe let's say the younger you if you're listening to this and you're like in your 30s and your 20s or whatever but the younger you the five year old you can ask your mom for five million you can ask your mom to buy you a car you can tell your mom you want a license you can do all of those things because there's no limitation no wonder no wonder the kingdom is for such as children (laughs) so the kingdom is for such great exploits the revelation of the glory of god is for such as children and so i believe that's just um the one the few nuggets i would say that i've brought and it wasn't much from my experience but much from Whatever that I had to go through and to receive this revelation, so that I can also share. Why am I sharing this? Maybe let me just wrap it up and talk about that. Why am I saying this? There might be some of us, we are going through really crushing moments. (laughs) Um, We're going through moments of testing, you know, um, perhaps you've been waiting for something for so long you've asked god and you know it's just been lingering for so much for so long and it seems like you're just going around in circles like the children of israel they went around the same mountain they could have taken a journey that was 11 days long but they were just circling around like god what is this right but moses then says that god let that to happen to humble you to test you and to teach you to humble you to test you and to teach you i'm not trying to give an answer for god but what i'm saying is that i mean i'm not yes i'm not trying to answer for god but the one thing that i know for sure is that god loves you and he disciplines the one that he loves not only is discipline given when someone has done something wrong we also discipline so that one can continue to walk um, in the ways of righteousness And we see you know, in the ways of righteousness because then the word of God says that he disciplines us so that there can be a harvest of holiness in us. So it's not just um, the discipline that's given simply to correct, but it's also the discipline that's given prophylactically so that we can walk in the ways of righteousness. Perhaps God is teaching you that you will live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I know, man, like for some things you might be like, but my academics perhaps that's the one area that you have your heart in so much that god can get your attention (laughs) um, through that particular area and he can teach you that you live by every word that comes from the mouth of god to humble you to test you and to teach you to discipline you um and so yes i'm just going to conclude it to say that god disciplines the ones that he loves because we are his legitimate children so that there can be a harvest of holiness in us and no matter what that discipline looks like you know sometimes it looks like an instruction sometimes it looks like waiting sometimes it looks like God allowing certain things like fires to refine us but they're not gonna burn us they're simply gonna refine us and we have to endure Jesus was hungry he didn't imagine the hunger he was actually hungry the son of God The beloved son of God. With whom God was well pleased. Upon whom the spirit descended and rested. Even we are the sons of God. Who God loves. Who God is well pleased. Upon whom God has poured out his spirit. And his spirit remains with us always. (laughs) So we are not exempted. um, And God continues to discipline us. To test you. To humble you. And to teach you. To test you, to humble you, and to teach you to discipline you simply because you're his legitimate son so i hope that this has taught you um one thing or two and i believe that um there's just that whole you will receive the sonship paradigm and that walking in life further from this would be okay my english was just messed up right there but um that now then your walk with god will take a different turn because there's understanding in all your seeking seek understanding right um there's just that enlightenment to say "Hmm, sonship yes it's nice I'm i'm a child of god but also to see what god like how the the extent to which god will go in order to discipline his sons to harvest a good harvest of holiness in them so that we continue to bring glory to his name so i hope to see you hear you or talk to you soon next time god bless you i love you all bye